Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to Ageless Ambition, the podcast for anyone who believes that age is just a number and that it's never too late to chase your dreams and achieve your goals. I'm Dr. Mary Lou Ryder, your host today for Ageless Ambition. Um, I'm a co-author of uh, a series of 10 books called Sister to Sister, The Sister to Sister Secrets for Women and Girls, and you can find more about us on Amazon. But more about our topic today is golden finances, empowering women for financial independence. So we have a half an hour today, and our leading lady today is Terry Byrne. Good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? Good morning. morning. I'm very well, thank you. Well, actually, it's good afternoon for you and me, too. So we're on the wrong. You're in the East Coast, and I'm over here in California. Uh, Terry, can you share a little bit about your background and what led you to become passionate about empowering women in their financial journeys? Sure. I would, I would be happy to, Mary Lou, and, and thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Um, well, way back in 1979, I uh, graduated with a bachelor's in marketing and economics, and later in my career, I got an MBA in finance. And I spent my entire career in banking until I retired in 2017. And when I retired, I was a managing director of U.S. Trust Bank of America. Um, I originally started out as a commercial lending officer for a major New York City bank, uh, lending to mid-sized companies. Uh, But I wasn't really happy in that role, and I was made an offer by another New York institution to join something they were calling a private bank, which was relatively new at the time. Um, And so I joined, and um, with that institution, what I was doing was, again, lending money, but to high net worth individuals and entrepreneurs. Um, But over time, my role really broadened, and I became more of an overall personal financial advisor to clients. So not only talking to them about credit and lending, but investment management, financial planning, trust and estate planning. And I had someone on my team that was a subject matter expert in each of those areas. As far as the second part of your question, you know, throughout my career, I principally worked with men, um, typically with corporate executives and entrepreneurs and I often found that their spouses or their partners were less than interested in financial decisions that were important to their families, and and it really caused me a great deal of concern because, as everybody knows, women typically outlive men, and the responsibility or, or I guess you could say the burden of those financial decisions on behalf of the family were going to fall to them at some point. So it was important to me that I I help them take 
a more instrumental role. And that, that really meant getting them one-on-one, um, you know, uh, inviting them to uh, financial lectures and seminars that were specifically geared to women, and anything to help them feel more comfortable with me and my team so that they really could participate actively in, in the decision-making. Well, Terry, that's really impressive. Um, and so often, you know, you both of us, uh, your, your career um, is impressive also. I kind of shy away from these banking people because I go, oh, my word, it's, it's, it's almost like being a surgeon, I think, in my mind. Um, <laughs> but when I, we're both professional women, and so um, obviously we've learned to handle our own finances. But lately, um, as I've, uh, after I retired and thinking a lot about ageism, I've run into a couple of women whose husbands have uh, passed away. And I'm just amazed they they haven't gotten involved in the finances at all. So um, mm. I just think that it's a, a, an important subject today. And so in thinking about that, um, what does financial independence mean to you as a woman? And how can women define and pursue their own versions of financial independence so they're not sitting there after their spouse dies trying to go through all the forms and figure out what they're worth? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question, um, but to me, very simply, financial independence means having options. It means not having to work if I choose not to. Um, it means having the freedom to live where I want, to do what I want, um, to pursue charitable endeavors, to play golf as many times a week as I want. Um, and I think similarly for other women, um, you know, if someone is in a job that, that they dislike or in a relationship that's, you know, not ideally suited to them, financial independence means that they have the wherewithal to quit that job or exit that relationship without being concerned about their financial future. Um, but, it, you know, it takes, it takes dedication uh, to get to that point. It takes discipline to get to that point. I say it takes discipline to pay yourself first, which means immediately setting aside money into some kind of uh, kind of savings vehicle um, before you pay your monthly expenses because you you have to really start you you really have to start taking control very early on if you're going to reach a point of financial independence. I never thought of that before. Um, so uh, for all of our viewers listening out there, um, a lot of times the s- statistics out there uh, reveal that there's a shift in women's financial management based on age. Um, I know a lot of younger women now, I mean, they're really on it. In fact, a lot of younger women are looking for spouses that can also contribute into that financial p- partnership. Why do you think there's a difference and what implications do you think this has for women's financial empowerment? Yeah, it's interesting that you that you bring that up. Um, there's a difference, and I think there are a couple of reasons. Um, traditionally, many older women, as we talked about, have had their finances taken care of by a spouse or by a, a family member, so they haven't really needed um, to be engaged. Um, but I think you're right in that research clearly shows that younger women are more engaged and they're saving more and they're more confident in talking about investments and 
they're more likely to use things like online courses and podcasts and uh, social media um, to help them find their way. And and it's interesting, in, in preparing for this podcast, I actually looked at TikTok, which frankly I don't think I've done very often, and I've looked at Instagram and um, YouTube, and there are a lot of videos uh, done by young women that talk about their stories of how they've, you know, how they're striving for financial independence, and um, they're they're great tools out there. The second the second thing, and and I um, don't want to minimize this either. Younger women really are more likely to have fewer resources to manage. Um, as a woman gets older and accumulates more wealth, the task is even more daunting. Um, greater wealth means greater complexity. And so issues such as should I purchase long-term care insurance, um, what am I going to do about an estate plan, how should I title my assets, when should I take Social Security, and there are just far more issues that an older woman has to um, think about, and and that makes it even more intimidating, I think. So what I hear you saying, um, and I'm almost reticent to do this myself, is that if there are videos or tutorials or if you want to know something, there's probably a lot of free resources on the Internet. Um, obviously, if you bear out that they're, they have you know, some truth to them and they're not scams, that there's some good learning things, uh, opportunities out there for us to learn about these, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I never thought of that because I know that, um, oh, I recently um, – engaged in a insurance uh, uh, opportunity and before I even set foot in the bank to do that, Bank of America, by the way, um, <laughs> your former bank, I actually <laughs> did get on the internet because you can find almost anything on the internet to find out, well, what am I getting involved in? Almost like before you go to the doctors and you have something, you study up on it, right? Exactly. Um, so before you go make some kind of a a, a, a opportunity with your money to know, you know, some of the terms and common terms about it. Um, sure. So here's the big one. I've got a, a very close friend and she, um, she manages her own money. She does very well, professional woman, and she's, she, she doesn't get along with her husband. And I said, why, why not, aren't you thinking about divorce right now? And she said, are you kidding me? I couldn't even think about leaving this man. The cost that it would actually uh, that I would have to endure to, to leave this man. Not that we're advocating that people leave men, but I think what, what's your what is your um, take on these life events and how they impact women as they age? Yeah, well, you know, like you're saying, um, they impact women, and often it's negatively. Um, you know, mm-hmm. especially a divorce. Um, or a career change, because if you do change careers, you will find that you're probably earning a lot less money than you did in your old career. Um, so, you know, that makes it even more imperative that, you know, very early on you start to save. And and I'm not just talking about saving for retirement, because clearly that's important too, but it's it's for saving 
for life events and, and for things that you never saw coming, you know, shocks that you, you couldn't right. predict. Um, so it's mm-hmm. important for that reason as well. You know, I remember way back, it was about 15 years ago, I was a superintendent, now a school superintendent. And, um, you know, we, we have good salaries. We At the time, we were really making some good salaries. And I had uh, a financial advisor, and he and he managed all the superintendents in California, a good portion of them. Um, and he said to me, Mary Lou, he said, you're doing something that I've, I don't see an awful lot in, in your uh, bracket, your income bracket. And he says, you're saving as much money as you possibly can to and put it in investments accounts. And I said, how are you able to do that? I said, well, I'm just not buying anything <laughs> except for clothes. I buy clothes. And, uh-huh. and he said, well, most people in your income bracket, they just spend right up to how much they make. Can you talk to yeah. us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I would be happy to. Um, you had uh, given me a question about budgeting and financial right. control. And what I wanted to say is I hate the word budget. It seems very restrictive to me, and it, it speaks of scarcity. But what I do like is the term understanding cash flow. Um, and I think it's really important for everyone to get a handle on what they spend. And and one of the rules of thumb, uh, again, I found this on the Internet, is something called the 50-30-20 rule, whereas you might consider taking 50% of your after-tax income and putting that towards your needs. So that would be living expenses, health care, food, and then 30% would go towards your wants. And that's things like dining out, your hobbies, your vacations. And then 20% should go to savings, Um, rainy day savings in case of an emergency, but then also longer-term savings to start, you know, developing that financial independence. Um, Certainly putting away more than 20% will help you reach your goal a lot faster. But it's really important to sort of get that roadmap, that budget, that cash flow analysis so that you can see where you're at, and then you can plan from there. Um, One thing I want to talk about um, that has been really helpful to me and to my husband and I think would answer a question for a lot of women out there is once you've prepared that cash flow analysis, you can actually determine if you're going to have enough resources to last you for the rest of your life. So if you're working with a financial planner or an investment advisor, they can, um, based on uh, life expectancy tables, determine, okay, perhaps this person will live until the age of 85, we're going to assume a rate of inflation of 4%. We're going to assume a return of, let's say, 8% a year. Um, and within certain degrees of confidence, they can run an analysis to tell you um, if you're going to have enough money to live comfortably according to how you would like to live for the rest of your life. And that's very important, and it all starts with that budget. It all starts with that that roadmap of 
of your expenses and, and what you intend to spend as you as you age. And it's just a very um, robust um, tool for everyone to have. Well, that sounds like really good advice. Um, right now we're going to take a quick moment and recognize one of our sponsors. Um, so today, Women Lead Radio is brought to you by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in a big and small way. Thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all our sponsors and partners. Now, back to our show. So welcome back um, to uh, Golden Finances with Terry Bar- uh, Byrne. Um, she is our guest speaker today, and we're having an engaging conversation on Golden Finances. Um, Terry, next question kind of targets into this thing about investing. Um, I know that a lot of women are feel hesitant about entering investing and I want to know the advice that you have for women who are considering investing for the first time and how they could possibly build a diversified portfolio. Um, One of the things that I learned growing up, and I think it's probably one of my problems, I always heard my father say cash is king. So um, Mm -hmm. I have, (laughs) I just grew up with that, cash is king. And um, I just have always thought that it was really important to have cash in the bank and in the accounts um, to be able to access at any time. And so thus I think it's, it's held me up from any kind of investing. Although I've even had representatives from the Bank of America call me up and say, you know, we'd like to meet with you. What kind of advice do you have for women who are considering doing investing for the first time? You know, that's a, a very common attitude, um, that the cash is king attitude. And I mm-hmm. think it's one of the challenges that women over 55 commonly face, that they're too risk averse um, and that they need more growth in their assets in order to make sure that they don't outlive their assets, as I was talking about previously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very common. And you know, it, it's easy. It's what you know, right? I mean, you walked into a bank probably since you were a teenager and purchased a CD, so it's a very easy thing to do. And and frankly, there's a place for CDs in an investment portfolio. But to get to your question on how a woman should first get started, um, it depends on the level of financial experience that someone has. And in many cases, if, there's, if they don't have a lot of experience, I would highly recommend seeking out a financial advisor. Um, financial advisors um, that work with your friends or your family are, are um, good people to talk to. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and she said she found her financial advisor from the Internet, and he's been a great advisor for a number of years now. Um, But really to get started, you're going to need someone to help guide you along the way. And 
what's important is to ask that person the right questions. You you want to know, you know, what licenses do they hold? What's the average size of an account that they manage? Uh, what all do they offer? How long have they been in business? You know, research shows that 10 years at a minimum is a good yardstick to go by. Um, and one of the things that I think is important, too, when you, when you start to consider a financial advisor is to look at what their reputation is like. Um, there is a site um, on the web that you can check out. It's called brokercheck dot finra f i n r a dot org and you can check your advisor's customer complaint history um, and an advisor may very well have you know one complaint that's not unusual but if you see a pattern of complaints you want to run the other way um, so you really want to you really want to ask some hard questions um, but I would highly recommend working with someone to start out with because it's um, it's very complex. Okay, so I'm really interested in that. It's called BrokerCheckFinra.org, F-I-N-R-A? Yes, broker, okay. BrokerCheckOneWord.Finra.org. FINRA.org. That's, that's a good and, and, uh, resource because – but. Yep, FINRA stands for the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. So. Okay, so um, that's really good. Uh, the only thing I knew, because um, my husband's always worried about, um, we've had this financial advisor for 10 years, and he says, well, what if he takes up with our money? Um, <laughs> the only thing I learned <laughs> was um, that they should be a fiduciary. And I don't even know what that means. Mm. Is, is that one of the uh, requirements? It's interesting that, that you bring that up because that was something that I was going to address. Um, there are really two standards under which financial advisors work. There's the fiduciary standard and there's the suitability standard. The fiduciary standard is one where the advisor cannot place his or her own, his or her own interest above that of the client. And it's a standard by which they need to do a great deal of analysis to make sure that the investment that they're recommending fits your circumstances now and, and perhaps over the long term because they have a complete picture of who you are and what your goals are. And so it's a more, I want to say, tailor-made um, uh, prescription for, for what you might be doing, whereas the suitability standard, and that's uh, the standard that most brokers work under, means that the investment that they put you in needs to be appropriate as of now. They don't need to do a full analysis of what your financial situation is. Many of them will. They want to know that they are um, putting you into something that is currently suitable for your situation. The big difference is the way they're compensated. The broker that works under a suitability standard, he's not paid directly by the client. 
Um, he's paid by the company whose product he's selling. So as long as that investment is considered suitable for you, the broker can recommend a product with a larger commission. Not necessarily that they would, but they could do that. The fiduciary standard is, is a higher standard, and they are compensated as a percent of assets. So if you've ever seen an ad on television for Fisher Investments, and I'm not promoting Fisher Investments, I'm right. merely pointing out their marketing marketing strategy. Right. I've seen they that. would Yep. I think so many people have and, and they say that they charge as a percent of assets, so if the client does better, we do better. And that oh, okay. and, and they stress the fiduciary standards. So and in essence, um, an advisor can be both. They can be both a fiduciary and a broker. Um, so there are different products in each set that they're um, able to sell. And if you go to Wells Fargo, for instance, um, they will have brokers and they will also have fiduciaries. So it's really just a matter of how much hand-holding you need, how much um, you want eyes on your portfolio on an ongoing basis, um, but for you know, brokers also are, are are excellent representatives for people who maybe know a little bit more about exactly what they want. Um, mm-hmm. Might be a little more financially sophisticated, um, but that. <laughs> sorry for the long-winded answer, but that is in essence what the difference is. I've learned more in this three minutes suitability fiduciary thing than I've learned on the internet. So I hope it's helping some of the women out there when you when you're walking into a relationship with an investment counselor, uh, finance counselor. Um, I've only got a few more minutes, but what I wanted to ask you is I've got two girlfriends now whose um, brand new uh, financial advisors are trying to get them involved in cryptocurrency. Um, any, I mean, I know you're not recommending anything, but what would what would you do? One of your friends came to you and said, I want to to invest in cryptocurrency. Well, and I considered it myself. Um, Okay. One of the the financial advisors that we use just refused. And and that financial advisor is, you know, fairly aggressive, refused to put us into cryptocurrency because it's still rather new. if someone really wants to go into it, I would say um, if you're if you're well set, if you have no concerns about your financial future, and you're if you're able to lose whatever you put into it, you know if it's ten thousand dollars, and if, frankly you wouldn't even miss the ten thousand dollars if you lost every last one of them, then go ahead. I mean it's it's a gamble. Um, I, it's, it, it's really all depending on what your financial situation is. I appreciate that. That's a really good answer. Um, but I really don't, didn't even know how to respond to them. We've got just a few more minutes, Terry. And as we wrap up, what final words of inspiration or advice do you have for women who are on their path to financial independence? I mean, just the 30 minutes that we've had together, I mean, I feel like I've, I'm just hit gold here with some of these, the advice that you've given us. Any final words? And I know you had some 
internet places you want to recommend? Um, yeah, I would say um, start saving early. Um, save often and just save until it hurts. Um, there's there's really there's really no substitute for that. Um, and I would say that start conversations with other women about money. You and I have both talked about um, how women don't really discuss money with each other, and I don't know why that is. But in preparing for this podcast and I was talking to a woman that I've known for years, I've never talked to her about money. But I was curious. I wanted her to help me think through some things. And it was one of the most rewarding conversations that I've had in a very long time. So um, I'd encourage people that aren't used to talking about money, that women who are reticent to do that, to to ask their their friends some questions. And um, I think it'll be a good experience for them. Uh, I think that's a great idea. I know I belong to a couple of women's groups, and I think that one of them, um, we don't talk about money, and there's a a huge variance of income. Uh, It's a neighborhood group. And I think that, I think it would be, Behoove us to bring somebody in to help us talk about money, though. <laughs> maybe, maybe a facilitator. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I know I, I, think I just feel like idea. a lot of times I'm out here on this island with, you know, nobody ever talks about mem- money with women. Women, we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about sex, jobs, our husbands, but mention that money, we really put our yeah. guard up. So, um, uh, Terry, I do so appreciate you so much, and I. Um, I just thank you so much for being here. It has been my pleasure to be your host today. Um, so we'll be back um, next. Uh, and, and, uh, we'll be back again for another Woman Lead Radio show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. It has been my pleasure to be your host, and thank you for listening, and have a great week. Thank you, Mary Lou. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.